Hello, I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and uh, today we're concluding our series on called Dual Imminence. We're really talking about the dramatic end-time events uh, that are described in the book of Revelation, that they're going to happen imminently. That means they could happen at any time. And what that means is that uh, we've been seeing it in our scriptures, starting with the teaching of Jesus, we saw the teaching of James and Peter. Today we're going to finish by looking at the teachings of Paul and John. And they all describe a dual imminence. First of all, that the day of the Lord judgments, the tribulation, are going to happen any moment now. All right, that's what imminence means. There'll be no warning. There'll be no warning signs. When it happens, it will happen suddenly. Uh, nothing has to happen before they happen and it will break suddenly upon the earth. And we've seen that's the clear teaching of Jesus and the apostles. But at the same time, there is another thing that is imminent, and that is the rapture of the church, that Jesus is coming for his church to rescue his church before the judgments are poured out. And both are imminent because they both happen at the same time. In other words, Jesus is coming for his church to rescue his church, and then immediately he is going to release these judgments on the earth, and the judgments of the tribulation will begin. So that's what we mean by dual imminence. And now we're going to look to the Apostle Paul to see this very thing. Let's start with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15 to 18. This is the classic passage on the rapture. And here he says, This we say to you by the word of the Lord. And I, I believe he's simply saying that what he's going to teach comes originally from the teaching of Jesus, because Jesus taught on the rapture, as we've seen. And this is teaching is in John 14. It's also in the Olivet Discourse. And uh, so he's saying what I'm teaching is in line with the teaching of Jesus, the word of the Lord. And he says that we, we believers, who are alive and remain on the earth, until the coming of the Lord will by no means pre precede or go before those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. And that's where we get the word rapture from. It's the Greek word hopazo, um, and, and translated into Latin is where we get the word rapto, the rapture, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up It'll, and, and with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Therefore, all the dead in Christ from the church age will be resurrected and rise to meet with the Lord, and also those who are alive will have their bodies changed in a moment and be raptured. And this event is presented as imminent in, in, in a couple of ways. First of all, that word rapture will be caught up together. And this is a word that is used for the sudden, uh, it, it's a very sudden event, uh, an overpowering event where, where we will be taken up to be with the Lord. That's, that's what hopazo means, to be seized, to be taken. And it, it was used, for instance, of, for instance, when, when Philip was suddenly taken up and transported to another place. And um, 
the imminence is also seen in the fact that Paul described those who would be alive at the time of the rapture as we. Noticed he expected to be in the rapture. He lived in the possibility that he could be raptured. He, he wasn't saying, well, Jesus isn't going to come for 2,000 years. No, as far as he was concerned, Jesus could have come while he was still alive. And so he expected to be in the rapture, we who are alive. In other words, the rapture was an imminent hope for him. He lived in the expectation that it could happen at any time. And, and this same imminence of the rapture is in the parallel description in 1 Corinthians 15, where he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, he doesn't just show his belief in imminency by saying we shall not all sleep and we shall all be changed, expecting to be alive, but the sudden nature of the event, taking us surprise without any signs or warning, is seen in the fact that it, take, it will take place in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And this word for moment is, an, is atomos, which means an atomic second, the smallest unit of time that is possible. It'll happen just like that. There'll be no warning signs. It, it's over before it's begun. And again, you see, this, uh, we see the imminence of the, the coming of Christ to rapture his church. Praise God. And uh, we're also going to see that his coming as a thief to initiate the day of the Lord judgments on the earth is also imminent. Um, we've seen that from the teaching of Jesus, and this is confirmed by Paul's teaching. And, and it's important now, as we go into the, the next verses, 1 Thessalonians 5, that 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, they didn't have chapter breaks in the Bible originally. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5 is a single connected passage. It's essentially on the same theme. So we have to relate chapter 5, which talks about the day of the Lord, with chapter 4, which talks about the rapture. And as we're going to see, they are both described as being imminent. The rapture is imminent, but we're going to see now that the day of the Lord's imminent. And notice the, tr the transition here. In Thessalonians 4, he's described the imminent rapture. Then in chapter 5, verse 1, he transitions... And now he's going to discuss the timing of the rapture in relation to the day of the Lord. Because in verse 1 he says, But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. So now he's talking about the timings. In other words, they, they, they already should know the answer to this question, which is actually that there are no signs for the rapture. It's imminent. But um, this is when... He now connects this rapture, the imminent rapture, with the sudden and imminent arrival of the day of the Lord as a thief in the night, because this is his answer in verse 2. Again, the question is, from chapter 4, what's the timing of the rapture? What's the signs for the rapture? And he says in verse 2, For you yourselves know perfectly, you should already know the answer to this, he says, that the day of the Lord, the tribulation, so comes as a thief in the night. So in other words, it will come suddenly. There are no signs when a thief comes. It's an imminent event, you see. So in other words, but notice, although he's talking about the time of the rapture, he is now actually putting it in the language of the day of the Lord. 
And he's saying the day of the Lord, the tribulation starts imminently. So the rapture's imminent, the day of the Lord's imminent, because they happen at the same time. When Jesus comes to rapture his church, then he also releases the day of the Lord into action on the earth. And those who, the unbelievers will experience that as a thief in the night. So we do know from other scriptures that it's Jesus who comes as a thief. But here it says that the day of the Lord comes as a thief. And we have to put those two ideas together. See, it's Jesus coming in the rapture that will be as a thief to the world because he's going to take his own, his precious ones from the earth. But also, they're going to experience the loss as the judgments fall on the earth. So the day of the Lord comes as a thief. So both Jesus and the day of the Lord comes as a thief. Combining those means that when Jesus returns in the rapture, he uh, also initiates the day of the Lord on the earth. So we know that Jesus comes as a thief, so therefore it's clear that Jesus initiates the day of the Lord by his coming, and therefore the day of the Lord comes as a thief. And what is this coming that initiates the day of the Lord? It has to be the coming of chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians 4, which describes his coming, which is to rapture the church. So again, the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. We also we know from other scripture that it's Jesus who comes as the thief. So that what is the coming that we're talking about that initiates the day of the Lord? It, from the context, it must be his coming in the rapture. That give, is the trigger for the day of the Lord. So in Paul's thought, it's an automatic assumption, really, that uh, when he says the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night, he's talking about the rapture. It will happen. It's an imminent thing, and, the, and it will introduce the day of the Lord. So his coming in the rapture is to rescue us from the day of the Lord. And, and that's when he initiates the day of the Lord at the same time. And, and that is confirmed in verse 9. If we just jump ahead to verse 9, it says, For God did not appoint us to wrath. He did not appoint us for the day of the Lord. That's why he's going to rescue us from the day of the Lord, but to obtain salvation in the rapture through our Lord Jesus Christ. So both the coming of Christ to rapture his saints and his coming to initiate the day of the Lord are imminent events because they're simultaneous. And that's wonderfully confirmed by Paul's uh, opening words in the same book. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 9. He's, he says, You turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us or rescues us from the wrath to come. So believers are defined as those, because they believe, they wait for Christ's coming. And, and this speaks of his imminent coming. Because you only wait for someone who might come at any moment. If they're not going to come for a week, you're not going to sit up waiting for them, are you? Because they're not going to come until at least a week. So if you know they're not arriving for some time, you don't wait for their arrival. But we've been told to wait for his coming because his coming is imminent. And, and this must be his coming to rapture them, because that's what he's going to share in, in chapter 4. Um, and that's confirmed by the phrase, uh, who, whom he raised from the dead. 
you see, because it's on the basis of Christ's resurrection that we receive the transformation of our body at the rapture. Praise God. Um, and, and our rapture is then described here as a rescue from the wrath to come. And this must be talking about the wrath of the day of the Lord coming on the earth. Because this rescue is directly connected to Jesus' return from heaven to earth in these verses. So, some of Paul's emphasis actually is, is lost in translation. Because when it says Jesus delivers us uh, from, from this wrath to come, he's using a present tense participle. He is delivering us. In other words, something that is a potential present reality. He could do it at any time. That's the futuristic use of the present. It's speaking of the imminence. And not only is the rescue imminent, because he is, he is delivering us, he is rescuing us from the wrath to come, but also the wrath to come is imminent because it literally is the coming wrath. It's present tense again. This wrath is not some way where off in the future... It's described as a present tense. In other words, this, this wrath is, is about to come on the earth. It's, it's like it's behind a dam, and the dam could break at any moment. It's the coming wrath. And again, it's breaking on the scene is imminent. It could happen at any moment. So it could be translated, it should be translated, we wait for his son from heaven, even Jesus, who by his coming to us is delivering us, is rescuing us from the coming wrath. You see, it, literally the, the wrath that's already on its way and it's about to come upon the earth. And so both his coming to rescue and deliver us from the coming wrath and the wrath of the day of the Lord itself are imminent events. Another example of dual imminency. And, and this can only be the case if both events are simultaneous or two aspects of the same event at the same time. Because the rescue must happen before the wrath begins. Otherwise, it's not really a rescue. But if the wrath, for instance, began sometime after the rapture, then it wouldn't be imminent, but it would be signposted by the rapture. So when Jesus comes to rescue his church in the rapture, he's also coming to initiate the day of the Lord's wrath upon the earth. So in this way, the glorious rapture of the church, where we receive the salvation of our bodies, is also a deliverance and rescue from the wrath of the tribulation. And this is dual imminence, and it confirms the pre-trib rapture. And, and also it confirms the fact that the tribulation starts on the very same day as the rapture, because this is the only viewpoint that is consistent with and explains the dual imminence of the rapture and the day of the Lord. Well, let's just see how 1 Thessalonians 5 just makes sense, looked at, looking at it all together. From verse 2 it says, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, the tribulation, so comes or begins as a thief in the night. It's imminent. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes on them. Notice this is imminence. The world is saying, they say, peace and safety. Life is going on as normal. Eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage. As Peter said, you know, scoffers are saying everything's carrying on as it always has done. Uh, peace and safety. They're not expecting anything to happen. Then sudden destruction comes on them. He's talking about the day of the Lord. He's talking about the tribulation will suddenly come upon them and surprise everyone. There'll be no warning signs. 
This is imminence of the day of the Lord. As labor pains on a pregnant woman, and here he's referring to the teaching of Jesus that we saw previously, he describes the tribulation as the time of labor pains, which suddenly start at the end of a pregnancy, at the end of the church age, the, the labor pains suddenly start and they intensify until the birth of the baby, until the kingdom of God is manifested on the earth. So he's talking about the tribulation. The day of the Lord is the tribulation. It will happen suddenly, like a thief in the night, you see. When Jesus comes as a thief in the night to take his own to be with him, and it says, and they shall not escape. In other words, they, he's talking, distinguishing them from us, the unbelieving world will not escape because it's a worldwide judgment. And then it says, but you, brethren, are not in darkness. He says, you believe, you're believers, you're, in the, you're not in the kingdom of darkness, so you shouldn't come under the judgment of God. So that this day, the day of the Lord, this day of judgment, should overcome you as a thief. You should not experience him as a thief. You see, you'll actually experience him as the bridegroom coming for his bride. You are sons of light, he says. You're, the, you're in the kingdom of God and the sons of the day. We, notice, he's talking about the church now. We are not of the night or of darkness. We're not of the kingdom of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. Let us not live like those in the kingdom of darkness Let's not sleep as others do, but let's watch and be sober. He's saying, wake up spiritually so that you're ready. Whenever he comes, you're spiritually alert. You're spiritually ready. You're prayerful and you're busy about the Lord's business. You're watching for his return. He says, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us of the day of the kingdom of God be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and hope, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. He says, oh, to cover your thoughts, to cover your head, should be this hope of salvation. This is, hope relates to the future. It's the future salvation we're going to receive at the rapture. Our focus should be on the salvation we'll receive at the rapture. And he says, why? Should we be looking for the rapture? Shouldn't we be looking for the wrath of God in the tribulation? Shouldn't we be looking for the Antichrist? He says, no, for God did not appoint us to wrath. And the context is the wrath of the day of the Lord. God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. What salvation? The salvation we're looking for, the future salvation of the rapture. We are appointed to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Praise God. And so that's our imminent expectancy. We are looking for the hope of the rapture, the imminent rapture, and also the day of the Lord is going to happen imminently. Now, some people think that 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 contradicts the idea of imminence. So let's go there and have a quick look at that. He says, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. And, and so the subject under discussion is the rapture of the church. Um, he says, we ask you not to be so soon shaken in mind or trouble, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of the Lord had come. And it should be translated the day of the Lord here, which, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, we're talking about the tribulation. So the false teaching was we're, we're already in the tribulation. And uh, it's, this word had come is actually in the perfect tense. And the meaning should have been translated 
very few translations do get this right, is that the day of the Lord is present. Now, why that's important comes in the next verse. Let no one deceive you by any means. And, uh, and then it, there's a blank in the Greek text. It says, unless the falling away happens first. And because of the blank is there, we're meant to supply in the verb from the previous verse, which the translations do quite correctly. So in verse 2, if they translate it as though the day of the Lord had come, they then say, for that day will not come until the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. And then that could be read as if two things have to happen before the day of the Lord, which means it can't be imminent. But that actually isn't the meaning intended here, because if it should be read according to the grammar, verse 3 says, as though the day of the Lord is present, and then it says, don't be deceived, for that day of the, the, that day is not present or will not be present unless the falling away happens first and the man of sin is revealed. In other words, these events, whatever they are, the falling away, the apostasia, and the revelation of the man of sin actually take place within the day of the Lord. All right? They, uh, they, the, the day, you, you know the days come because these two things are happening within the day, the apostasia at the start of the day, and then the revelation of the man of sin. So it doesn't contradict to imminence. Let me tell you very quickly what I think this is saying. The word apostasia can be translated departure, and the only departure in the context is the rapture of the church. So he's actually saying the day of the Lord, the tribulation will not come until the apostasia, the rapture, the departure of the church from the earth comes first. And then immediately after that, the man of sin is revealed. That's the first seal in Revelation 6. The son of perdition who, who opposes and exalts himself above all that's called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. And then in verse 6, and now you know what's restraining him that he may be revealed in his own time. And I believe this is talking about the Holy Spirit through the church is restraining the manifestation of the Antichrist. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. The spirit of Antichrist is at work. Only he who now restrains, that's the Holy Spirit through the church, will do so until he's taken out of the way or taken out of the midst. And so he's talking about the fact that the the context of what is this restrainer and what is being taken out of the midst. Well, the subject under discussion in verse 1 is the rapture of the church. So that verse 1 defines what happens next, that he's talking about what's going to happen is suddenly the, the church is going to be taken out of here, and that's the restraint on the Antichrist. Uh, the spirit of Antichrist is going to be removed, and now the Antichrist will be revealed at the start or near the start of the day of the Lord, of the tribulation. And then it says, verse 8, then the lawless one will be removed, and then at the end of the tribulation it says, and then whom the Lord will consume with the word of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And so that's the Apostle Paul. Uh, Hebrews 9.28, he says, Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. So he's coming specially for the, his church who are eagerly waiting for him because they know he could come at any time, you see, to, for their salvation in the rapture. Philippians 3.20, Paul says, Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Saviour, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. That's imminency, you see. We're waiting for him. We're looking for him. We're watching for him. He could come at any time. And what will he do? He'll transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he's able to subdue all things unto himself. Praise God. And very quickly, we've just got a couple of minutes. John also speaks of imminence. In Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And of course, in the book of Revelation, he describes the day of the Lord, all the judgments in the day of the Lord on the earth. And he says these will shortly take place. They could happen at any time. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things written in it, for the time is near. That's imminent. This, this could break upon the earth at any time. Revelation 3 it says, repent, therefore if you do not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I'll come upon you. That's the imminency of his coming. And if those who are not watching, those who are even unbelievers in the church, it, they'll experience his coming as a thief. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This isn't just to, to Sardis, but to all the churches. To Philadelphia, he says, because you've kept my command to persevere, I'll also keep you from the hour of trial which will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. That's the tribulation. But, we, but the faithful ones will be kept from the hour of trial, from the whole time period. And he says, behold, I'm coming quickly. He's going to rescue us through the rapture, through his coming quickly, suddenly. That's imminence. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. And finally, we just say from Revelation 16, 16, dual imminency. Behold, Jesus says, I'm coming as a thief. He's coming suddenly. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keep his clothes at hand. You're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So for some, he, there will be blessing. But it says, so he will not be caught naked and his shameful condition be seen. For the one who is naked, who is unsaved, his fallen condition will be seen because he will, not, he will be find himself going through the judgments of the tribulation. So he is coming quickly as the thief. And some will experience the blessing of his coming in the rapture. Others will experience the judgment of his coming as a thief. And their sinfulness will be revealed because they start coming under the judgments of God. And, and so there's dual imminency there. For some, his sudden coming is for blessing. For others, it's for judgment. Well, God bless you. Jesus is coming. He's coming quickly. Be ready. Amen. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the vision of this ministry is really to, to spread the in-depth teaching of the word of God as far and wide as possible. And we are so grateful for those who, who have helped us in this way financially and with your prayers. It really makes a huge difference that we can get the word of God out on different platforms and spread it across the world, even in different languages. Thank you so much for all your help. Thank you for watching. Join with us at Oxford Bible Church every Sunday at 11 a.m. Greenwich Mean Time for our live stream service. Or join us at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, ox 37 qh You can watch more of our teachings on our Roku channel and Derek Walker's YouTube channel. All Derek Walker's books are available in printed and Kindle versions in all Amazons worldwide or online with other great products. 
where you can also support our programmes at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.